Hey everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of RangerPod. Uh, there's no Grax this week. That's not the only reason it's special, though. Because we have got an exclusive interview with the man who wrote the Power Rangers theme song, the man who did all of the incidental music for Power Rangers, the man who did all the rocking songs, Mr. Ron Wasserman. Uh, just a bit of context about this interview. One of the main reasons RangerPod exists is that last year I was actually contracted to write a book about Power Rangers, about the history of Power Rangers. And for various reasons, that fell through. But one of the things that I did get before that happened is this delightful 17-minute interview with Ron Wasserman. It was recorded in April last year, and I always felt that it was kind of a shame that it was never going to see the light of day. So I emailed him a month or so ago and said, hey, do you mind if we put it out on the RangerPod feed? Ron Wasserman, being an absolute gentleman, was more than happy for us to do that. So here it is. I will say, originally he emailed me his all of his answers in one MP3 file. And I've now gone in and put my questions in, just so the interview makes some kind of sense. So if you're thinking, well, they're clearly not in the same room, we're not. We're nowhere near each other. Um... <laughs> Obviously, we'd love for you to spread the word about this interview wherever you want to. Just send the link around. If this is your first time listening to Ranger Pod, welcome. This isn't our usual podcast format. Usually, we're re-watching Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, kind of making jokes about it, just sort of picking at it from a position of love. Yeah, that's what I hope always comes through. You know, as critical as we can be sometimes, we do love the show, and I hope that shows through. So yeah, please do check out one of our other episodes. We're on the cusp of Green Ranger Week. Now on Monday the 19th, we're going to be coming back for five episodes in a week. Usually we release on a Wednesday. And it's going to be a five episode week with every episode of Green with Evil, the Green Ranger saga. It's one not to be missed. We've already recorded the episodes and yeah, there's some great stuff in there. But that's enough waffling from me. I'm not what you've come here for, so... Thanks again to Ron Wasserman for, first of all, taking the time to do the interview and then letting us put it out on the RangerPod feed. I hope you enjoy. How did you come to be involved with Power Rangers? So uh, I became involved with Power Rangers in kind of an obscure way. I started at Saban just working on mixing cues for... Shuki Levy, one of the partners at the company. And uh, during that time, I really kept trying to learn how to write cues and I would send stuff to producers and I would say, be honest, and they would send back some rather brutal notes because I'd come from a songwriting background and uh, you know I was used to the format of intro, verse, chorus, and then back to verse, whatnot. So uh, over a couple years, they kept giving me notes, and I kept submitting stuff, and finally started getting little teeny scoring jobs, a cue here, a cue there, and um, nothing special. And some of the themes I wrote for some of their direct-to-home uh, video stuff prior to Power Rangers, they never would use because my themes were way different than what they were used to dealing with. They were used to very simple, safe, Barney-like stuff. And I was doing these really high-energy themes for no matter what the show was. It's just how I write. So um, in 92, they came in and 
just showed me a little bit of footage, a rough cut, I think, of the opening for uh, Power Rangers and said it's going to be called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So that all I ever saw was either a very short opening, a couple seconds, it certainly wasn't to picture, and uh, and was told, uh, you know, we need you to write something tonight. Uh, use the word go. That's Haim's lucky word because um, Haim Saban and Shuki Levy had written uh, the Inspector Gadget theme back in the 80s with Go Gadget Go. So I went, okay, uh, no problem. I'll do that. Um, so there was no actual brief and there was no time. And I was working on another song for uh, the band I had and still have with my wife called Fisher. And uh, ironically, that song I ended up writing after the Power Rangers theme ended up in a uh, Great Expectations 20th Century Fox film. So it was a very productive night for me. But anyways, I blew out the theme in about two and a half hours from playing the first chord to the finish mix. And um, I never expected my vocal to be the final vocal. They called the next day and they said, Fox loves it. That's it. That's the theme. I went, great. Who should we get to sing it? They went, no, Fox loves it as is, so you're going to stay the singer. I went, all right, fine. I didn't think my guide was that good, um, and I certainly didn't expect it to turn into anything like it did. How much music would you compose for each episode? I mean, how much guidance were you given from the producers? I composed initially wall-to-wall the entire episode. And I think I probably did that for about the first 20 episodes. We had an order for 52 per season, which is unheard of today. And then uh, they had a couple music editors start helping me out so that I didn't have to score the whole thing. And then it eventually got down to uh, where I'd have to score about nine minutes an episode and the music editor would then... Um, I'd give the cut to the music editor and he would fill in all the blanks. You've mentioned in a previous interview that Tipper Gore caused problems for the series. How did this affect your work and how easy was it to work around the restrictions? Tipper Gore, yeah. Um, there were problems all over the world where they were blaming the music. This was a big thing in the 90s to blame bands and uh, songs for kids uh, committing acts of violence. So after that happened a few times and Power Rangers was blamed for it, both the show and – but especially the music, I um, – this was a couple years. I only did the show hardcore for three years. I – one day the president of music came in. He goes, well, we have an edict from the White House, believe it or not. And you know Haim Saban and the Clintons are good friends and uh, so – no more minor chords and don't use words like fight or anything that would incite violence. And um, and I was a bit shocked and a little flattered. And I can't remember if I was upset about it. I don't think so. I just said, okay, I'll use major chords and start writing more positive stuff. I, I kind of looked at it as a chance to make a change about things. And I was so exhausted by this time too. Remember, I was scoring Power Rangers, Sweet Valley High, VR Troopers, X-Men, uh, all their sizzle reels, promos. 
So I was in there 80 hours a week, every week, without a break for a long time. And I was starting to burn out at that point, too. If it did, how did the way you work change across your time on the series? It it didn't. Uh, I The only thing I would really developed a sense for, which I have to this day, is I can look at any scene and I can know within two or three beats the exact tempo it should be at to hit everything. So the workflow just kept speeding up, even though the technology back then sucked, especially doing the songs, because there was no way to record into a computer yet. So everything I did had to be recorded to two two-inch tape machines. And with locking those machines, you know, I had a maximum of um, of 46 tracks. And there would be some bleed of this thing called Simpty time code. So actually about 44 tracks to deal with. And I was stacking vocals and guitars and, you know, all that kind of work. And um, so it was very difficult. You do part of the show and then you'd want to go back. You'd have to rewind. You'd have to have something called pre-roll and go 20 seconds before the scene so the machines could all lock up and then you'd play your next part or with vocals, sing the next part. And I was, you know, engineering myself. I was a one-man operation and always have been. So uh, that was a lot of fun <laughs> compared to today where I can – output 10 times as much work or 20 times because the computers are so bloody fast and of course i have a great setup how far did you get with work on mighty Morphin power rangers the movie and what led to you leaving the project with the initial power rangers movie uh i met with uh robert Kraft, who was head of music at 20th century fox and we decided that the score should be the same as the TV show, same thing they had done with uh, Batman, which was a TV series in the 60s, and then became a movie, and the score was identical. So I initially uh, was given a couple of rough cut scenes to, to score, scored them just like the TV show. They went to Fox. Fox loved them and said, look, we really got to get moving on this. Then... And I never heard this direct, but it was one degree of separation. Haim Saban didn't want my name on the film, just like my name's not on the show. I'm on as engineer, and then I think I moved up a bit, even though I had a, a cut. But these were work for hires, which happens all the time. Hans Zimmer has composers that do 90% of the work or 100% of the work, and Hans Zimmer's name goes on it. It happens throughout the industry. So apparently 20th Century Fox said, no, if he's the composer, Ron's name is going to go on the film. So I was yanked from the project. Was was Between that and being exhausted really was the straw that broke the camel's back. And uh, Haim ended up saying, well, you know, you can't do a film. Um, you do television and, and, you know, you're okay at that. And uh, But you're not capable of doing a film. But I knew the real story. And uh, – so I just went with it. At what point did you leave the series and what were your reasons? The main reason I left in the end of 95 was, A, I was so exhausted and I couldn't see it and I couldn't, you know, didn't have enough sense to take a month off, which I couldn't do anyways. 
because there was always wolves at the door, the other composers trying to get in to, you know, take over whatever I was doing because uh, they took all of this very seriously. I really didn't. But, um, you know, I was just glad to be working. But uh, I went in in the end of 95 and met with Saban and said, you know, I want an equal share and I want uh, – you know, a contract for I'll I'll stay for ten years and you know keep writing you hit stuff. You know, I've all your themes I've written have done really well and and um, and he refused and I was exhausted and I said okay I'm uh, I'm leaving in five business days and then they tried to counter with some stuff to get me to stay but uh, it wasn't what I wanted so I jumped without a safety net. It was time to go. But my relationship was still good. I think Haim had a lot of respect that I was willing to move on without uh, any arrogance. That We never yelled at each other. There was no fight. I never claimed that he was unfair because I had understood the deal the entire time. So the relationship stayed open and they called me in to sing on a few more themes. I think I co-wrote a couple more themes uh, they gave me a show, Dragon Ball Z, which they didn't care about, which I scored the first season or two seasons at home. I didn't write the theme, but I was just scoring this thing at home, and I, I had no idea the thing exploded until years later. Um, so I kept doing stuff on the side with them, and uh, yeah, I think they came and asked for a couple songs, and I did a couple more, and um, – then I was out. Uh, I was done because I was getting too much work from other companies. I read that you provided a vocal for the Power Rangers Dino Thunder theme. Is that true? And if so, how did that come about? Did I provide a vocal for the Dino Thunder theme? I don't think so. If I did, I don't remember and I apologize. So I am going to skip that question. You came back to provide the theme tune for Power Rangers SPD. How did you find returning to the franchise after so long? And were you ever approached about providing more than just the theme song? In 2005, moving on now, in 2005, Disney called me and said, um, we, uh, we'd like you to submit a theme for Power Rangers SPD um, because we want to go back to the original rock sound. So I wrote a theme, got a call the next day, and they said they loved it. Uh, it was I was approached directly from Disney. It was out of the blue. Guy named um, Steve Vincent, who's one of the heads of music there, wonderful guy. So uh, I submitted the theme. He goes, "They love it. They'll have a few notes for you." I remember exactly. I was standing in my mother-in-law's living room in Pittsburgh. We were out of town visiting her, um, and I said, "Great." And then they called with notes a few days later, and um, I added a few things or subtracted a few things. I can't quite remember. And uh, that theme was was done. It was quick. They loved it. And it seemed like uh, the response they got was pretty incredible on it. Uh, they called a few times and said, wow, we've, we're really seeing the numbers go up here and the chatter about uh, – the theme, this is great. So when they came to me for Mystic Force and said, write another theme, I wrote a rock theme. They literally called the next day and said, they love it. This is going to be the theme. Then about a week later, 
I checked in and said, so any notes? And they go, yeah, they're, uh, they're thinking about making it a rap version now. And, um, uh, so that was the end of that. Uh, they went with rap and, uh, I do know the numbers dropped and that was a mistake, but you know, that's Disney. They experiment and there's nothing wrong with that. When Power Rangers returned to Saban in 2010 with Samurai, uh, the series started using reworked versions of the Mighty Morphin theme. Were you involved in any way? Um, when Saban bought back the rights from Disney to Power Rangers, I think he paid $100 million for it in 2010, uh, I was not involved in any way, and I was not shocked that they went back to the Go-Go Power Rangers theme that has, you know, been the staple of the show, and I'm sure it'll end up in the film too. But I don't think I'll ever hear from Saban again. Not that there's any bad blood in any way, shape, or form, but um, you know, it's just a different world, and they have their group, and they're going to hire their people, and they'll probably for the film do a deal with a label to get a. Uh, some boy band to do it or somebody. I won't be surprised if there isn't a version done by Justin Timberlake, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. A version of the Power Rangers theme reached number three in the UK charts, courtesy of Simon Cowell. Did you have any involvement in that? I did not learn about Simon Cowell doing the remix of the Power Rangers theme until just a few years ago when my uh friend Ron Kanan goes, oh yeah, gold records hanging on my wall. And apparently this thing made a lot of, uh, uh, the sales were very good. It made Simon's career. And all he did was put a drum loop basically under and do a little chopping up of my original track. So I had no involvement. I was never told about it. Um, and apparently all the execs got their gold records for it and um, hit them at their houses so that I would never see it in their offices. Nice, huh? That was the politics of Saban sometimes. And finally, what led to you being credited as Aaron Waters and the Mighty Raw during your time on the series? Okay, so the name Aaron Waters, my middle name is Aaron, and Wasserman means water man, uh, German. So I was working, producing myself, singing all these things. And so I kind of split my personality uh, and decided I have to have a singer. I can like go, no, that's not good enough. You have to do a better job. So I thought, oh, Aaron Waters. It's kind of a cool name too. I'm going to go with Aaron Waters as the artist's name. So I brought that up to Saban. They go, good. It's better uh, – it's better that it goes that way because, you know, Ron Wasserman played this, Ron Wasserman wrote this, Ron Wasserman sang it. It's good. We'll have this, this, uh, singer name and everything was cool with it. Then I don't know how much longer later, excuse me, <clears throat> maybe six months later, a year later, they go, now you're called the mighty raw. And I went, this is going to confuse everybody terribly because you've got Ron Wasserman and we've established Aaron Waters as the artist. And uh, they go, nope, we're going to add the Mighty Raw. And it has, to this day, created confusion. I still get questions about it, like yours. 
So I guess that covers everything. I hope I answered everything for you, and、um, thank you very much. This is Ron Wasserman signing off. And that's your lot.、Uh, huge thanks again to Ron Wasserman. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at RangerPod,、uh, Facebook, Facebook dot com slash RangerPod, or you can email us therangerpod at gmail dot com. It's just all the Ranger Pods, really. Do check out our other episodes. Do spread the word. And for those of you who are coming back next week, we'll see you for the Green Ranger saga. Bye for now. Thank、you